0: Greetings, you superstars. You, how's it going? What's up? So, reminder I have moved my webinars, which I am now calling masterclasses because they are masterclasses, to a once a month format. They are on the third Thursday of every month at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern. They are live, no videos, recordings are sent out, no notes are sent out. So you have to be there to get the good stuff. And I am jam-packing these hours with tons of content. So if you want to see what's coming up based on whenever you listen to this, you can go to the link in the show notes. It's mastercoachwebinars.card, C-A-R-R-D.co. And you can find out what's coming up and you can register. So through various groups I belong to and sites I visit regularly, there's a lot of conversation about toxic work environments and people are expressing it as fact. It's a toxic environment. End of story. There's no question about it. And I really wanted to drill down on what really constitutes a toxic work environment and what to do if you're in one. But I also want to talk about what isn't a toxic work environment and how to manage those situations here's what wikipedia has to say this is their definition of a toxic workplace it is marked by significant infighting where personal battles often harm productivity here's a quote it is reasonable to conclude that an organization can be considered toxic if it is ineffective as well as destructive to its employees and so ineffective speaks to Something very systemic. So whether it's a department that is ineffective, the entire company is ineffective, a function is ineffective. And then destructive to its employees, meaning there are many people that are being harmed by this. Here's what monster.com has to say about a toxic work environment. And this is this is a quote. A toxic work environment is one where dysfunction and drama reign, whether it's the result of a narcissistic boss, vindictive coworkers, absence of order etc in addition to harming your morale this kind of climate can also be damaging to your health says paul white co-author of rising above a toxic workplace stress takes a toll on your body white says so health problems that are stemming from a hostile workplace might include hypertension high blood pressure cardiovascular disease and decreased mental health and it can lead to fatal conditions and this is based on research from both stanford and harvard universities here's another quote a toxic environment keeps people in a flight or fight mindset fight or flight the constant pump of cortisol testosterone and norepinephrine generates physical emotional and mental stress says sherry torres an Asheville, North Carolina-based business leadership coach and author of Conversations Worth Having, Using Appreciative Inquiry to Fuel Productive and Meaningful Engagement. That's a mouthful of a title. She says you can't do your best work when your work is in a toxic workplace and your health and well-being is at risk. So when I was researching this episode, I saw a lot of things as contributing to workplace toxicity that simply isn't. So, it's really important to make that distinction between the imperfect boss, which is every boss, the imperfect coworker, which is every coworker, and the imperfect CEO, which is every CEO. If you have a boss who's disorganized, a coworker who's chronically late, that doesn't make the workplace toxic. There are other issues and other solutions, but toxic is the wrong label. And I don't think it serves you to immediately jump to the conclusion that you work in a toxic workplace i think it it feels good to some people on the level of i i can't help it it's just this is this is what i'm dealing with every day it's toxic and i'm a victim of this situation but that doesn't serve you to think that here are the signs that monster gives as kind of evidence that you're in a toxic workplace number one you're chronically stressed out. So they had offered a quiz to find out how stressed you are about work. I've got that link in the show notes if you'd like to take a look at that. It's a workplace stress survey and see how you score. So number one, you're just chronically stressed out. There's no there's no release, no relief in sight. Number two, you're being overworked. And we're not talking about the occasional late night or the occasional weekend. We're talking about constant unrelenting, no end in sight, overwork, expectations of you know, excessive amounts of hours, whatever that may be for your profession. Number three, you're being bullied. This is a clear one. The Workplace Bullying Institute defines bullying as repeated mistreatment of an employee by one or more employees, abusive conduct that is threatening, humiliating, intimidating, work sabotage, or verbal abuse. And I thought these statistics were interesting. 61% of bullies are bosses, but also 33% are peers at the same rank as the the person who's being bullied. And I thought it was surprising that 6% of bullying was happening from subordinates. And that was a survey by the Workplace Bullying Institute. So that's number three, you're being bullied. Number four, you are a contributor to or recipient of office gossip so either you are feeding that gossip mill in your office or you know for a fact that you are the subject of such gossip it's such an unhealthy situation and it is it definitely creates that that toxic environment number 5 your boss is a hothead and he hurts your he or she is affecting your self-esteem and undermining your work. So we're not talking about the occasional anger, like I I got mad because something happened that's justified. We're talking about flying off the handle. I remember clearly back years ago, I worked with a woman who was very mercurial in her emotions. And the secretary swore that whenever she came in dressed nicely, like in a suit suit, that she was in a bad mood. And I thought that was a ridiculous, like, how would you even come up with that? Until one day the boss herself told me, yeah, I knew I woke up, it was a bad day. So I got dressed up in a suit. Can you imagine the kind of environment that created when we saw her before she ever got through the door, we could see by what she was wearing. And if we were going to have a difficult day in interacting with her, or if we needed to, you know, cut a wide swath around her because we did not want to deal with her that day. So that's number five, your boss is a hothead. Number six, communication is either poor or it just doesn't exist. And it's affecting your ability to do your job. So this is not, you know, I don't know about something until a day after or, you know, with slow communication or the person who wrote the communication isn't particularly good at writing. This is, this is a systemic problem where I'm either being kept out of the loop, everyone's being kept out of the loop, and it's affecting my ability or our ability to do our jobs, we don't have the necessary information that we need. So that's number six, communication is poor or non-existent. Here are some additional signs from bustle.com about that workplace toxicity. So number one, there's an absence of work-life balance. So I talked about earlier about that being overworked. So there's the stress of putting in name the number of hours 80 hours a week 90 100 hours a week or even 50 hours a week if that's not what you're used to but what's also happening simultaneously with that typically is that the work-life balance or as I like to call it work-life blend is kind of going out the door I was talking to a client recently and she wanted to pursue a graduate degree but her job is such that a she has to work a lot of nights and b They don't tell her about that until the week of. And so she was really at a loss as to how to plan to go to graduate school with the kind of work environment that she has. So, number one, lack of work life balance. Number two, you're constantly getting sick. Now, this is an interesting one that actually happened to me because the toxicity in my work environment was actual physical toxicity. So, I had been pretty much sick since the day I got to the university and really started to kind of push the issue later in my time there and finally talked to them into getting a getting some diagnostics out there, but also doing something about it, which ended up being what is called a hospital clean. So we had to kind of strip the place. But the interesting thing was There was a gigantic humidity problem in the office and the air conditioning apps actually added humidity, whereas normally an air conditioning is going to take humidity out, ours added it. And so we were running four professional grade dehumidifiers all summer long and changing them out every about six hours. They were full. And then in the winter, we were running humidifiers because that same environment was extraordinarily dry. And they did this advanced test of humidity in, in various spots in the office suite. Mine, my office was the highest, and the lowest rating for humidity percentage that they got in my office, the lowest was 98%. <laughs> so it was basically a rainforest. all I needed was like a monkey. And so so that was a physical form of toxicity. And I was constantly sick. Respiratory bronchitis sinus infections, anything to do with that respiratory system. It was constantly under assault. So number two, you're constantly getting sick. Number three, family and friends are giving you feedback that they're noticing a difference, not a good difference in your character. Maybe you're kind of more spaced out or you aren't engaging. And you know, when they invite you to do things, you're too tired or you can't go because you got to work, but they're noticing and commenting on it. Number four, your employer culture is competitive conflict. This is, for most people, a recipe for disaster. So creating a competitive environment where people help each other out, there's you know pleasant competition, there's clear-cut criteria to win this award or that recognition or this vacation or whatever it may be. And we're all kind of on the same page, helping each other out. That's one thing. But when it becomes conflicting, the competition is, you know, this one just won this award. So he's my favorite and I'm not, I'm going to give him all kinds of extra advantages and take them away from other people. I'm going to pit people against each other. I'm going to pit departments against each other. That is not healthy. That's always going to create toxicity. Number five your time boundaries are not being respected when i was reading this i was thinking about the movie two weeks notice with sandra bullock and hugh grant and she's right in the middle she's a an attendant at a wedding and he calls her and needs her to run over so she runs out of the wedding right in the middle of it to to help him pick out a tie or something you know it's one thing to say you can leave at x o'clock at night but what is the reality of it and what about Are you getting constant calls, emails, texts on the weekends, on your vacations, on your evenings off? Number six, your boss encourages bad behavior, unprofessional behavior, unethical behavior. So he may be facilitating it. He may be asking, and I'm using the male gender. It could be a woman just as well. But there is behavior that is not setting right with you it it may be not necessarily illegal or even maybe it's a little gray area as far as unethical but you don't want to be anywhere near that gray area and so you are feeling uncomfortable because of the boss kind of for lack of a better word kind of forcing you to do that and then finally your gut tells you that your ethics and your morals are eroding the longer you work here you're kind of losing yourself. I've got a client like this right now. And and I made the comment to her last time I talked to her. I said, you know, the first time I talked to you, I was struck by the disconnect between how you show up and what is important to you. She's very ethical, very moral, very high character, has worked in an environment where she had to have a, a pretty high security clearance. And now she's working for a, a fairly disreputable organization. And she took it because she needed a job at the time. and, And now she just wants to distance herself from that organization with a bad reputation. So here are some clear cut situations of workplace toxicity. And we've kind of worked around these, but I want to be very specific. So sexual harassment, absolutely toxic. Bullying, we mentioned that earlier. Illegal behavior. So this could be something like stealing, cheating, misrepresenting results, whether you are asked to participate in it, whether you know it's going on, you suspect it's going on, and maybe you have some proof, whether it's one individual or the you know the whole team is doing it, it's still illegal behaviors. And you may be asked to participate in it or look the other way in those illegal, unethical behaviors. Either way, you're, if you have a strong moral compass, this is going to be toxic for you. Also, workplace safety or environmental issues that aren't addressed, much like my my office. So we've got, could be a, a safety issue. You brought something to the attention of management and nothing has been done. And that has created a, it creates a lot of toxicity. Also, lies that are undermining or affecting your ability to do your job or get the results that you are expected to achieve. So there's, you've got maybe a coworker who is taking credit for your work or blaming you for things you didn't do, or there are people that are withholding information or tools or pieces of a project, let's say, that is keeping you from doing your job and and is going to affect ultimately your performance evaluations and your future with the company and your career trajectory. Now I want to talk about some options. When you find yourself in a toxic work environment, So I have at least three here. You may think of some other options, but these are kind of the three obvious ones. So number one, you could choose to approach the perpetrator directly. So here's a direct quote from Monster. You should be able to resolve many interpersonal problems without intervention. Generally, your best first step is to have a gentle backstage conversation with the person who's causing you harm, says Sutton. But rather than focusing on how someone's behavior makes you feel, focus on the negative consequences of the person's actions. So depending on what it is, and that's going to be the theme with these three options, depending on what the nature of the infraction is, if you've got a coworker who is bullying a third party and you feel like you need to go talk to this individual about the bullying, you've seen the effect that it has on this other person. You don't know whether the other person has come to them or not, but it is uncomfortable for you. It is creating an environment. Maybe this person is on your team and you don't feel comfortable with with the environment that it's creating. Then you may want to sit down directly with that perpetrator and try to hash that out because sometimes they just aren't aware of what they're doing and how it's being perceived. So number one, you can approach the perpetrator directly. A second option is to confront with a team. And then you're going to go up the chain of command in this option. So you're going to involve your boss, assuming your boss is not the problem, some superior, maybe you're bringing in human resources. It's really, again, going to be very situational. Here's a quote, again, from Monster. If the direct approach is futile, you may have to get help from your superiors, assuming they're not the problem, to resolve serious issues with coworkers. But before you request a meeting, there are a couple of measures you should take. First, figure out if any of your peers are having similar problems. The more fellow victims you have, the more power you have, Sutton says. Obviously, you don't want to bombard your coworker. One or two representatives in addition to yourself should suffice. Second, gather hard evidence to prove your case. For example, if your colleague is frequently trying to sabotage your work by turning their assignments in late, Compile emails that show times when this has happened and present what you have in the meeting. So this is you. This is really a step up from the individual one-on-one conversation. You're bringing in others who've been affected. You're bringing in evidence. You are involving superiors, perhaps your boss or someone from human resources. Number three should be pretty obvious to you, and that is to plan an exit strategy. So some companies simply have a culture of dysfunction and if you are looking around and seeing that the toxicity is coming from the top town you're probably going to be better off just getting out of there and coming up with an exit strategy what i find with my clients is that even when their current situation is quite untenable the fact that they start a job search they have me rewrite their resume we up, we update their linkedin profile they get the coaching that they need and the support that they need they begin taking baby steps and they feel immediately better, better about their current situation because they are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. All right, so this one's going a little bit long on us today, but I do wanna talk about what doesn't constitute workplace toxicity. And these are all gonna be contextual because if one of these non, quote unquote, non toxic things is happening and you, for example, your health is, sac- is suffering because of it. Then we we have a toxic situation for you, right? that that normally to- untoxic thing, non-toxic, is toxic for you. What I want to make clear with these four things is that you have within your power the ability to shift your mindset around these things so that your experience at work is more pop is more positive. You're not letting the other person off the hook. You're not letting somebody get away with something you're simply making your day-to-day work as long as you have to go in that door every day you're making it more palatable. And this does not mean that you have to stay in the job by all means get that exit strategy started and begin to execute. It means that while you're there you're going to have a better experience. And I'm going to wa- I'm going to walk through what you can do with each of these. But here are the four things that I wanted to address. Number 1, you don't want to go to work. Number 2, you aren't as happy at work as you used to be. Number three, you don't feel respected. And number four, your point of view and ideas aren't being heard. So if number one, you don't want to go to work, here's what I want you to do. And really with any of these, I want you to, first of all, do a pros and cons exercise. Get out a piece of paper. What are the pros of my job? What are the cons of my job? The reasons that you have for not wanting to go to work. What makes me want, what makes me enjoy my job? What makes me not enjoy my job? However you want to label your two columns. And I want you to look at why you don't feel as happy at work as you once did. In what ways do you feel, let's say, respected at work? So I want you to be sure that you're giving equal airtime to both sides of this. Think about when has my point of view at work, my ideas have been heard, right? So I want you to give equal airtime to both sides. The next thing I want you to do is take a careful look at your cons. And I want you to think about shifts that you could make to move some of those items out of the column. They probably won't go into the pro column. We just want to have like a third column in the middle that is neutral. So we, if we can move something out of the con column into a neutral column, then we have effectively negated that con. So for example, if one of the reasons that you don't want to go to work is that you have a coworker whose attitude is not great towards you, you want to think about what you can do about that. So can you schedule time to meet one on one backstage with that coworker to try to resolve that situation? If one of the reasons you aren't as happy as at work as you used to be is because you've been passed over for a promotion, you could perhaps meet with your boss to find out why you weren't chosen what you could do in the future or beginning now so that in the future you would be considered seriously for the next promotion. So that's number two. Number three, And this one, really, everybody needs to do this. Engage in a gratitude practice. So every morning I write down three things I am truly grateful for. And I really feel that gratitude. I write them in my journal and I really experience my gratitude about those things. So really finding the things. And I would recommend that your gratitude be specifically around work. I'm thankful for my coworker, Jane. I'm thankful for you know the hours that I work. I'm thankful for my insurance benefits. It's like fine three things and that just makes all the difference. Number 4, mindfulness. If you can become more aware of when the negative thoughts are creeping into your mind about your job and choose to think something more positive instead. So for example, if you find yourself sitting in your car on the parking lot. I've been here. Trust me. Every morning, not wanting to enter the building, I would sit there in the, I was next to the science building and I would sit there and I'd be like, it was, it felt like I had to put armor on to go into my office. The reason that I'm probably struggling to open the door and actually get out is because I'm thinking something like, I hate my job. So once I can realize that that's the thought that's driving this icky feeling and this not wanting to go into the building, I could shift my thinking to something like, I like b- something about it. I like blank about my job. I happy I have a job. I like that my job, whatever. So find something, even if it's tiny, it has to be something that you can believe, right? So you're not going to go from I hate my job to I love my job, but you could find something about your job that you like or a person or an activity, a skill that you get to use something. So that's number four, mindfulness. Number five, focus on what you can control. If you are feeling powerless about your situation at work, nothing is going to exacerbate that more than to put yourself in the role of a victim because a victim has to have a villain and that villain is either your boss, that coworker, the company as a whole, whatever. If you don't feel, for example, that your point of view is being heard at work, how can you show up to meetings differently to increase your chances of being heard? Is there someone who could mentor you about being heard in meetings, having your point of view listened to? Is there a book that you could read? Is there a podcast you could listen to? I'm sure there is to all of those. So what can I do? I can't make Bob over there that keeps giving me the the eye roll. I can't change Bob's eyeballs. I can't do anything about Bob, but I can show up as the best version of myself and then That's all I can do. That's what's going to hopefully reduce my stress about work is knowing I did my part. So that's number five focus on what you can control. And then the last one is engage in a bit of perspective adjusting. So we tend to think the grass is always greener over there, right? And it oftentimes isn't. You've heard the expression of, you know, out of the frying pan and into the fire. So, if you choose to go somewhere else, if you're thinking about changing jobs, just recognizing that it's not going to be perfect over there either. There may be similar problems, maybe worse problems. We don't know. So, we really want to look at is what I have really that untenable? It's interesting that when I hear things from clients or prospective clients about how toxic their work environment is and how they just have to get out and they're thinking about just quitting even though they don't have another job lined up, when I ask them to articulate for me what it is that is so untenable, they oftentimes cannot articulate that for me, which makes me suspect it's not really as bad as they want me to think that it is. Well, I hope that all of this information about toxic work environments has been helpful. It was very interesting for me to do the deep dive and preparing for this and to challenge my own beliefs about the toxic work environment. So I hope it has helped you as well. And I will see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.